You are listening to the Holy Cannoli Podcast. It's all about making sense of life, who we are, and why we're here. Life is sacred and life is strange. And here's our dad, Tony Gapastone. Welcome to episode 64 of the Holy Cannoli Podcast. This is Tony here, and I am sharing with you uh, a message that I did with my church, The Quest, which is in, in Nevada, California, during our series on God in the movies. We called it Pop God, and I'm sharing this. Uh, first of all, you should probably watch the film called Tick, Tick, Boom, which is by Lynn manuel Miranda. It stars Emmy or Oscar. He's also an Emmy nominated, but Oscar nominated for his role as Jonathan Larson in Tick, Tick, Boom, Andrew Garfield. It's really, for me, right now, I'm feeling all sorts of feels. I'm recording this on a Sunday afternoon. It's raining in California. Finally, the drought, we have definitely needed rain. It feels great because it's signaling the fall, the change of season. That feels really awesome. It's also dark and gloomy, and I'm in really comfy clothes and... I'm kind of feeling all uh, reflective. Uh, I'm going to give, I'm going to share some transparent things. I have been feeling kind of on a, on a low, maybe a more of like a crash. Uh, as the summer ended, we had lots of cool, you know, things. We were on vacation as a family. There was so much freedom and fun. I had uh, the Brave Maker Film Festival. I had my film, Last Chance Charlene, in another film festival called Cinequest. And there was all this hype and excitement. And then it all stopped, you know. And that, I think, brought on a lot of, I don't know, maybe, mm, you know, it's like the 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 crash after the high like a little bit of depression a little bit of sadness a little bit of what's next a little bit of what i don't know a little bit of oh i gotta get back to work in a way quote unquote to try and get my next movie going and i have been trying to get my next movie going and it's been kind of a standstill and then i start reflecting on how hard it's been or how hard it was to have Last Chance Charlene come to be. And I'm still paying off, you know, my expenses from Last Chance Charlene. Uh, I just got a bill for this insurance we have to pay. It's like $4,600 in order to protect the film for three years, you know, when it goes online, which that's a whole other thing, trying to get this film online. There's so much work. And honestly, I I don't know sometimes. It's hard to get myself in gear, I feel so overwhelmed. I feel so out of my league. I feel so inadequate. The imposter syndrome is so huge for me right now. So this film came kind of at the perfect time. It's kind of interesting listening to myself talk. It's like I'm preaching to myself about the necessary work that it takes to go after a dream, to see your visions come to life. It's a commitment. It's it's perseverance. It's believing when nobody else believes. And it's getting up, brushing yourself off, and keep continuing on when you fall down, when you feel beaten down, when you feel stuck, pulling yourself out. And this film is exactly that. There's also obviously, a, if you know the, the Jonathan Larson story, there's also a very ironic, sad part to it. But there's so much 
inspiration and hope. And I encourage you, go check it out on Netflix. Watch the film first and then come back and listen to this message. If you've seen it in the past, great. If you don't care about spoilers and you don't want to watch it, that's fine. I hope you'll find some sort of inspiration in it. Uh, I do try to share. I do share the trailer in it. So sometimes, you know, things are hard when you can't see them because there's music and stuff, but you'll hopefully get the gist. Okay. Thanks so much for listening. I'm going to start it right after we had some prayer and music time. So there'll be a little bit of a transition. So take a deep breath. And take it in. I'm someone who likes transitions a lot and often feel jolted when they're not done right. Meaning sometimes we're really good at just going from one thing to another and not taking moments to breathe and see and experience the wonder of the in-between. I don't believe in a separation of secular or sacred. I believe everything has a wonderful divinity to it. So I hope in some way, whether online or here in person, you experience that today. And just those few minutes of saying, God, hear our prayer. God, hear and help and heal our friends. God, our, our students, our families, our kids. We want them to be alive. Did you hear that underneath those prayers? We want to feel safe in our classrooms, in our places of work. We want a country that feels connected and unified. Amen? So feel what you need to feel, as always. Glad that you're here. My name is Tony Gapastone. So reintroduce myself. My pronouns are he, him, his. And I'm thinking about, uh, as we have online and some people who may be watching on a replay uh, and not watching, just listening. So we do an inclusive, or I do an inclusive description. I'm a Caucasian man with brown hair. I'm wearing a very bright yellow shirt today because Judge, one of our production uh, volunteers, said, I need to get better clothing so I don't swallow into this back uh, painting behind me. I'm wearing green glasses, uh, I have brown uh, graying hair and a beard, and I'm really glad to be here today. Uh, we have been going through a series all summer, probably one of my favorite things to talk about, called Pop God is how we find and discover the divine in pop culture. <clears throat> We're going to get in that, into that today with Tick, Tick, Boom, uh, a true story about the genius of Jonathan Larson, a playwright and lyricist and composer, creator of Rent and other things. We'll get there in a second. But first, I always like to start with a question for inter interaction both online and in person. Can you think of something that you've had to wait a really long time for to achieve? Maybe you're still waiting for it. Or something that you've had to work a really long time for it. Maybe you're still working for it. And if you're comfortable, just share it out loud. What's that something you've been waiting for? Maybe you already achieved it. Maybe you didn't. Feel free to add the addendum if you achieved it or not. But you don't have to. Put it in the chat or say it out loud. Self-acceptance. Mm. Waiting a long time for self-acceptance. Can identify. Direction. Where am I going in life? <laughs> what is this all about? What am I supposed to do? Yes, that is a perfect connection for today's topic. Inner peace. Inner peace. Anybody else? For our children. Mm, children 
in their lives connected to God. Peace, yeah, waiting for hope and unity as we just prayed for. Uh, I can think, you know, so many, I'm, I, I keep saying this, I'm almost 50, I'm just going to say it, even though I'm 47, but I'm almost 50 years old, and sometimes our lives are always marked by, by years, by ages, by decades, and in this film we'll be talking about today, that was a big thing that kind of got under my skin a little bit, because Jonathan Larson was so concerned about turning 30 and achieving this big thing, I'm like, dude, come on, you know, some people don't start till they're 50 or 60s, it's kind of this beautiful thing that, that you know, age is you know, irrelevant, doesn't have to be as tied to our, our identity as it is. But for me, you know, um, I got married at 29 and there was always this pressure, you know, maybe am I going to get married? Can I sustain a marriage? I had all these issues uh, and fears because I didn't really see some marriages lasting in a way that felt healthy to me and I got nervous and then there's like this big goal of achieving for me of a, a creative dream of making a movie how long that took me and I see you know 19 and 20 year olds winning big festivals in New York and I'm like oh my gosh finally I got to do that you know I'm in my mid-40s so watching this film uh, called Tick Tick Boom about the life and art of Jonathan Larson was uh, and has been so fulfilling. I've seen it and watched it three times. I think it should be required watching for any entrepreneur, creative person, or anybody waiting and working to achieve something. Now, if you were here in June, you heard Melanie Jane talk about uh, this in Discovering God in the Pop Culture because she talked about rent in a beautiful way in a very perfect day at the very last Sunday of, of June. And today, I'm going to attempt in a you know, short amount of time to pay homage uh, to Jonathan Larson, who was born on February 4th, 1960, and died 20, January 25th, 1996, I think 35 years old. Anyone know the day that he died? Was on the day his, his, his play, Rent, was previewing off-Broadway, the day the day, the morning of, three o'clock in the morning, he was found by his roommate of a, a heart aneurysm. Like a, his heart was like a, it was like a dissect, dissect, divided heart. It was interesting. I think there's two different ways to describe it. And I thought, oh my gosh, you can go down a whole rabbit hole uh, for this guy's life. He poured so much of his time and energy out to creating something that he was passionate about and to involving all of his friends in it and telling their stories after years upon rejection. He had this vision of what he was going to do, this musical called Rent that had been a third or fourth iteration of different projects that he had been working on, one called Superbia, which is wrapped up into the other thing called Tick, Tick, Boom in the film by Lin-Manuel Miranda. It's a work of art, genius, so inspiring. If you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix. Let's watch the, the trailer of Tick, Tick, Boom. Hello, hi, welcome. I'm Jonathan Larson. I am 29 years old. I work at the Moondance Diner. Check. One sec. Do we take reservations? No, we do not take. We're, we're a diner. I have an original rock musical. Hey, boy genius. That I've spent the last eight years of my life writing. He's getting out. You're going to be rich and famous. And rewriting. Did you crack it yet? Oh, I'm getting so close. And rewriting. Can I hear it? Any day now. Eight 
years. And the time keeps ticking. Tick, tick. You need to ask, are you letting yourself be led by fear or by love? Fear, a hundred percent fear. I don't know what the show is. Why do we play with fire? What if the workshop happens and nothing changes? What then, Jonathan? Maybe I'm just wasting my time. Do you know how many Jonathan Larsons there are? One. Why should we blaze a trail? There's not enough time. I went to three friends' funerals last year, and nobody is doing enough. I'm not doing enough. Try writing about what you know. What does it take to wake up the generation? It would be a tragedy to give up what you have. Take off and fly. Fear or love, baby, don't say the answer. Actions speak louder than So if you haven't seen the film and you watch the trailer, I think there's so much inspiration in just two and a half minutes of a person's life and passion and going after it, literally running after it, trying to seek a way to bring these ideas. You know, artists, prophets, communicators, sometimes uh, entrepreneurs, they have these ideas and they have to pull them into the stratosphere. They take something that did not exist and they create something that does, something that people can feel and touch and taste and hear and listen to. Uh, I recently went to the Curran Theater, Curran Theater, uh, how do you say it, Curran, Curran? Uh, Curran in, in San Francisco, and I experienced the Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Anybody see that? Okay. I, I walked out of that experience you know, when you know you feel like something in your body, just you, you've, you've, you've touched, you've kind of crossed over into something transcendent. And I'll be honest and transparent in some way that I'm not the biggest musical fan in the world. I like music, I like life theater. There's some musicals I think I just don't get me. Now, Harry Potter is not a musical, this one, but it's a play that has sound and music and, and, and special effects and you can feel things in the air and you see things and it's superb. And I know some people have an aversion to Harry Potter, but bear with me here. This author, this creator, this team, it's not just one person anymore, have created something that the whole world for decades, from novels to movies to now live performances and music and tons of merchandise and theme parks, we can go in the corporate villain area, yes, but bear with me. My family and I talked about the themes of the story for hours, for days afterward. We experienced something that someone took from nothing and made it into something. The same thing I experienced on Friday night in San Francisco uh, in the armory with the Stranger Things experience. How many of you are Stranger Things fans on Netflix? Yeah, Netflix is getting no money from these sponsor, these free sponsor uh, ads here. 
Uh, I, we went there and you go through kind of like it's like a haunted house, but it's not. It's walking through different sets and you're interacting with 3D things and video. And then you have this uh, lingering opportunity to eat at the same place as the characters ate and have the food that they had in the series. It's just ingenious. And yes, it's a marketing ploy. Yes, 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 I get it. But bear with me. They created something that people can taste and touch and see and smell and be changed. My girls and I were, I mean, the, the gratitude I felt as a dad with how many times they thanked me <laughs> for spending the money on them because it is a pretty penny, but it was so amazing and worth it and it felt so just inspiring and could I say divine because of the power of the stories they're telling here. Don't lose sight on what some might critique it as, just another ploy, just another sci-fi thing. There's community being encouraged. There's family. There's chosen family. There's friendships. There's safety in, in numbers being talked about through these stories. And my kids and I left, and I left going like, how many people can I count on my hands that have created something that the whole world is talking about? That the whole world has experienced emotion and love and fear and excitement and be th they're thrilled by. Some of us have been to Disneyland and just think about the, the idea that Walt Disney had to create something for entertainment to bring hope and joy into kids' lives. And I could go on and on and on and on and on and go, some, in some ways, that's what the church was meant to do, is to create these experiences, create these stories that all of us identify with, that all of us see ourselves in, and that we all have been invited to be these co-creators with the divine in the same way. That when I hear, I'm looking for direction, I go, awesome. Because do you know that I, I believe that the divine has this for all of us, a participation, not trophy, but invitation to participate and be a part of something big that touches lives that transforms families, that brings healing and hope. Just think about the music played in here sometimes and how in an hour we feel so moved, right, by a song or by a prayer or a sharing that happens in between. I think Jonathan Larson did something he didn't even realize what he was on the precipice of and then died the day before it was about to launch. Sad in a lot of ways for me. Uh, not that money is a, is a, should be, or, but it can be a measure of success. But Jonathan Larson died of very, you know, today, today's standards, not rich. I'll just say not rich, okay? <laughs> he was struggling to pay his rent. Uh, his PG&E would go out and uh, didn't have any awards to his name. But he became a Tony Award winner, a Peabody Award winner. He became, I forget the other award he won, uh, he won so many humanitarian uh, credentials after he died because of the work that he did. And his estate is now currently worth $250 million because of stories and music. And Lin-Manuel Miranda, we could go, and I talked about him the very first season of Pop God that we did in 2019, uh, has followed in the, those same footsteps, creating Hamilton and all the work that he's doing within the Heights, or has done within the Heights, and then all the animation things that he's doing in Kanto. 
The list goes on and on. The power of creators to speak life, to create worlds, and to invite us into them, to also push us out into our story. Is it fear or love? What is motivating you? There's a parable that Jesus told that I think is really relevant to all of us as human beings, and I think also relevant, obviously, to us as a church. All of us have been entrusted with these gifts, these skills, these abilities, uh, these resources. Uh, There's one slide. I know it's small, but I'm going to summarize these things for us today. Uh, And I'm a little sometimes uncomfortable with some of the language, so I might change things up here and there. But a man called uh, to his friends and entrusted some wealth to them. You might think boss and employee, too. Uh, The original language was translated master and servant, uh, I think in a healthy way. We can enter that, but I know there's also some triggering language to that too, so I'll intersperse some different language. To one of them, he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to the last one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work, and he gained five more bags. What did he do? We don't know. Did he invest it? Did he create a business? Did he share with other people? We don't know, but he he multiplied that investment that he was entrusted with. So the one with two bags of gold gained two more. We don't know exactly what he did, but he did something that was worthwhile. He maximized what he was given. He had a vision. He did something. Maybe he risked on himself, and he was rewarded. But the third buried it, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his friend's money. After a long time, the boss came back and settled accounts with them. The man who received five bags of gold said he made five, the master said, "Um, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, I see you've gained five more. You have been faithful with a few things, and then he put him in charge of many things. He said, come and share my happiness with me. Then he went to the second uh, man, same thing, great, good work, I'm going to give you these things to do now, I'm going to reward you for your faithfulness. But then to the man who dug a hole, he said, what? What do you mean you didn't do anything with what I entrusted to you? Why did you dig a hole? Maybe those words from Tick, Tick, Boom, fear or love? What was, what was guiding you? I think we all know the answer to that question. Because the man said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. I remember being in seminary and being really uh, like awakened to this parable when we focused on the third man's response. Because basically he's saying, This is how I perceived you. I kind of perceived you to be grumpy, harsh. In fact, basically, I think you're a robber. I think you steal. I think you get credit for things you don't do. It's pretty powerful. How do we translate that? It's basically, this is how I might translate it, is how do we view God? What's our picture of God in our response and our relationship with the divine? Do we have this view of God that God is a harsh creator? That God takes when God doesn't give? I can understand how many of us could have that picture of God. I can understand why some of us hoard our things, our resources, our stuff, our relationships, and we don't want to share because we've been taken advantage of. I have, gosh, I have been so... Burn. You, those of you who've been around you know, for a while, you've heard some of my stories. I'm still healing from a couple things in my church relationships, but also my creative work. You know, I was left 
very high and dry. I lost thousands of, not pound thousands, but I'll say thousands of dollars, which is a lot of money for me, okay? Under 10,000, but still thousands of dollars on one of my projects because somebody that I poured a ton of time and energy into literally left and didn't fulfill a commitment. Some of us think about God like that. When we take our wounds and our hurts, it's so easy to transfer them onto other people, other people in authority. And that's what this parable is kind of saying. Where's your perspective today? Do we understand, do I understand that my life has this amazing purpose, that Jonathan Larson, do you know the actor playing Jonathan Larson, Andrew Garfield, got all this acclaim and was nominated for awards. Do you know, next slide, he didn't know how to sing. When Lin-Manuel Miranda told him, I think you should play Jonathan Larson, because I saw you acting in Angels America, in America, another Broadway play and sensation, Lin-Manuel Miranda saw something in Andrew Garfield and said, I want you to play this brilliant genius who's impacted my life. And he said, can you sing? <laughs> Andrew Garfield said, and I saw, believe me, I went down a lot of YouTube research on it. Andrew Garfield said, um, when are we shooting the film? In a year. He said, then yes, I can sing. And he spent a year of his life training to do this amazing calling. Right? There's nothing impossible with God. Now, are these two people people of faith? I don't know in the sense that we might describe it, but I'm going to believe that the divine is a part of these types of stories. And here, Andrew Garfield, my gosh, I'm even just getting goosebumps thinking about this. But when we put our minds to it, our hearts, and sometimes willingness, the willing risk to put our heart in something we might not see come to fruition, like Jonathan Larson, like Moses, who the quick Twitter version is, was told to lead his people to freedom, spent 40 years of his life, oh, how I identify with this, in meetings and in, in, in red tape and, and trying to find a way home, but didn't until the time came when his successor, Joshua, they were heading into the promised land and they could see it, it's right there. And Moses knew he wouldn't go. He wouldn't be able to taste it and touch it but was willing to work all those years so that other people could. Wow. And I think back to those prayers we just prayed. Any of you who felt something to reach out to another person, to go and support or pray or sit at a bedside or speak life or truth, those little whispers of the divine, those little ah, yeah ah, ways are inviting you to something big. I believe it. Something that maybe nobody will ever see. Nobody will ever write a musical about you. You'll never get a Tony Award, but that's okay. The divine sees you and knows you and has called you to these things. Next slide. You've been created for a purpose, and we bring good news together. We're joining in the work of Jesus in the world. We are partners with the divine. Say that again. We are partners with the divine doing divine work in the world, whether it's mothering or grandparenting, changing diapers, landscaping, pulling shots at a cafe, studying to get a degree. All of these things are not just ordinary, secular things. Everything is a sacred calling if we are willing to see it. So what is it that you can do in love that makes the world better? Some of us kind of come together every Sunday and maybe we ask ourselves, okay, now what? <laughs> I come to this building every week, I go to a contemplative spirituality group, but what next? 
it's good to work on yourself. We need to. We need to find that self-acceptance. And if that's the goal of our life in this season, then so be it. There's no shame in that. You can't love others until you love yourself. And there's an and as well. That as you're doing that, talk to people about it. Talk about what you're growing in, what you're challenged to be accepting in yourself, because I guarantee you're not alone in it. I guarantee there's other people who need to hear where you are too. I think we're all craving, not all, I'm going to say, some of us are craving more authenticity that people would just be truthful with what they're going through. Because none of us have it together. I sure don't. And when you do that, is it bringing hope and equity and safety and health and happiness into the world? I believe even if it's just in your little circle, in your little neighborhood, whatever it is, it's doing good in the world. I see this. You've heard me talk about my daughter's horses. I used to do horse life. I like horses as beings and creatures. Creatures. I love getting close to one and there's something there with the breath, but I do not like walking through manure and taking wheelbarrows and being dusty and dirty. I do not like it, but I do it because my daughter, I see what it does in her life. And sometimes every Wednesday and Thursday, I look at my wife sometimes like, pray for me. And I go out the door, you know, and I spend three hours with my youngest at the barn. I see what it does to her and how it brings her to life. And at 11 years old, I don't know. I, you know, sometimes I hate when people go, my daughter's going to be that someday. Whatever, she's going to figure it out. But I go, I can see at 11 years old, this is something. It's a calling for her right now in her life. And it's doing something in her. And I'll give my time for her, even though I hate it, to be honest, at times. And I hate saying that and admitting it, but I'd rather be doing other things. But when I see what it does to her, how it impacts her. And then most times we're driving home, she'll reach over and she'll say, thank you, Dad. And she puts her hand on my arm. And I'm like, That's, yeah, I want that connection with my daughter. And I want that for so many people. When you get over our fear, and sometimes that fear is more like just selfishness because I'm afraid of what I'm going to give up, what I could be doing right now to advance my life, to, pre to prepare for my daughter's college, to get more gigs or whatever I have to do. So church, Quest, individuals in this building and online, is there any risks that you might be avoiding for fear of failure? Are you living, are we living in love? Final uh, story I want to share is I was walking in my city, Redwood City, uh, at the cafe, uh, coffee shop, Pete's, you all know Pete's, walking by Pete's, and I saw this uh, dog walking around, kind of darting back and forth, and I looked around, no collar, no leash, and I kept walking. Now I had somewhere to go, as I usually do, <laughs> and I felt a nudge to stop and figure out what happened. Now, those of you who remember this, a month ago, we had to say goodbye to Bear, Margot and Don's dog, okay, on a Sunday. Some of us got over, we prayed over this dog, we prayed over a Don, it was beautiful, we were in tears. This is the day after that. And if you, quick Twitter version, they found Bear in Tahoe, you know, in the random street and took him into their lives and changed their lives. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is like the Bear story. So I stop and I just said out loud, is this dog belong to anybody? Nobody looked up, y'all. <laughs> uh, and I blacked out at this woman's face. Uh, nobody looked up a se second time. Excuse me, does this dog belong to anybody? And then one woman looked up and said, oh, uh, not mine. Um, is this anybody? And we looked up, and then another woman looked up. And then nobody's dog? Oh, we, we got to do something about this. And one woman said, oh, we should call the, the Humane Society. And this other woman, Christine, 
Next slide, uh, with a pink arrow, sorry, go back. Uh, she's like, I have an extra leash in my car. I always carry it just in case of something like this. Oh, I love people like that. Thank you, Christine. See the little pink arrow? Christine runs to her car. I'm calling the Humane Society. Meanwhile, the woman in the, in the black circle, and I don't, I'm not gonna shame her, she's got a dog, so I understand that a loose dog with her dog could be a little concerning. So she's protecting her dog, but this dog wouldn't come close to me. I thought maybe this dog had been abused by a man. Maybe I'm an oppressive presence. The dog kept going to the woman who didn't want the dog near her was finding comfort in her very chill dog. And I said, oh man, I'm so sorry, we're like, we'll, we'll hug. And she was on a call talking really loud and very annoyed that I was interrupting her business call. It was just this wild experience. But this little dog, this boxer dog was going to where it wasn't wanted. Finally, Christine brings the, the leash. We couldn't get the dog on the leash, so we're just kind of holding. I'm on the, the line with the Humane Society. And, you know, 10 minutes, they're saying, 10 minutes, sir, we'll be there in 10 minutes. And Christine and I are talking, hey, it's okay. I ran into Pete's, got some water, put some water down, backed up, started uh, licking water. On the phone, the lady said, okay, seven minutes, I'm on, don't, don't let the dog go, got it. Uh, we, we got three different calls today uh, at these three different locations. And in my mind, I do the map, that's like five miles away, three miles away. This dog had been traveling on the, the, the tracks, the Caltrain tracks, for miles, and here it is, alive. Finally, long story short, Officer Dixon comes, this amazing Humane Society person, got the dog on a leash, two slides forward, within seconds, no joke, within seconds, Officer Dixon gets it on, takes her little clicker, and goes zoop, zoop, seeing if there's a chip. No chip, heartbroken. Oh gosh, maybe, maybe the dog doesn't have, it's an unhoused dog, it needs somewhere to live. I'm thinking, do I call Margo and Don? Do they need a new dog? Do I need a new dog? Uh, so we start putting things on all the social media. Within two hours, it turns out the owners were on vacation and the dog sitter accidentally let it go and didn't know where it was and was obviously freaking out. Dog's name is Daisy, found the home, everything went well. Yay, right? All through social media. But the thing that got me was, and again, I say this with compassion, but nobody was looking up. <laughs> nobody was aware this was happening because we're, sometimes we're so busy, right? Does this dog belong to anybody? Hello, anybody? And it reminds me of those words of Jesus, do we have eyes to see and ears to hear what God might be doing around us, how we might hope, bring hope and help or rescue, or safety, or health, or happiness into the world if we are just willing to hear and to see. I'm going to close with this last clip from the, the film, which is a beautiful song uh, that encapsulates Jonathan Larson and the creativity he did with incorporating all of the people, the beautiful people in his life. Hey, you've reached Susan, Beth. I think of the first summer back from college. We smoked a bowl on the Kennedy breakwater and Michael told me that he was gay. Is this real life? Is this real life? I think of our friends, so many. I think of their funerals. I think of their parents, not even 50, saying the cottage over their children. Is this real life? I think of them, and I think of Michael. And before I understand what's happening, I start running. 
past the pond, past the carousel. Is this real life? The ticking is so loud now, I can't hear anything. Is this real? Is this real? Is this real? My heartbeat is pounding in my throat. The wind is shrieking through the trees. The sky is darkening. I want it to stop. I want it all to stop. So as we close, I'm going to invite you to have communion and to follow your tick, 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 tick. Not with fear, tick, 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 tick. Not with shame, tick, 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 but with love. In the same way that Jesus might have when he had his last supper and he pulled open the, the bread and he said, this is my body which is given for you. He followed his tick, tick. Tick, tick. And then he pulled up the cup and he said, this is my blood, which represents the new covenant, the promise I make to you. Every time you drink it, tick, tick, tick. Do it in remembrance of me. Tick, tick, tick. Church, you are loved. You have been given a destiny. You have been called to great things. Actions speak louder than words. May you live in love and not by fear. Take and eat, take and drink. Thanks for listening to Holy Cannoli. If you liked my dad's podcast, please subscribe, give it a review, and share it with someone you think would be encouraged by it. Holy Cannoli Podcast is a proud production of Brave Maker Media. For more information or to donate, go to bravemaker.com to make your tax-deductible donation today.